0: <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week we pick a film to watch and talk about. But this month we're going through the filmography of John Carpenter. And Yay! this week. And this week we are watching
1: Escape from New York.
0: Yes, Escape from New York, 1981, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes. It is
1: co-written by nick castle
0: co-written by nick castle who played michael myers in halloween this is following up our assault on precinct 13 episode and this is really interesting because assault on precinct 13 was john carpenter proving himself it's the lowest budget he ever had to work with for a real film Mm -hmm. and escape from new york is like the first time a studio gives him any real amount of money to make something.
1: Yeah, because this is after the success of Halloween, Mm -hmm. and we get Escape from New York.
0: Yeah, well, he does Halloween, and then he does The Fog, but The Fog's... Yeah, I know, you love The Fog. My other
1: love, The Fog.
0: (laughs) Which which is interesting, because The Fog is, by all accounts from John Carpenter, he thought that was gonna be, like, the movie that killed his career, because it was a... Oh, no. Well, Mm. here's the thing. When he shot it, it was like all over the place. It wasn't really that structured. He knew it was he was really slow and kind of boring. He reshot like a third of the film mm-hmm. to make it like more coherent and work better, and that movie cost a million dollars to yeah. make. And it it gets like a 20 million dollar return on investment, so it's not the smash that Halloween was. Spoiler alert, no other John Carpenter film makes as much money as Halloween.
1: Because fuck yeah, Halloween. It's- we love you. <sighs>
0: Like, I I just want to just talk about that. Because that's going to be context to get us into Escape from New York. Because Carpenter makes Halloween. It's, like, 300 grand to make. It's a smash. Makes, like, 50, 60 million in 1978. Puts his name on the map. They're like, alright, John Carpenter, you can make a film. And it's not just those grindhouse exploitation action films like Assault and Precinct 13. You can make real money. Yeah. So, we'll give you some... A real budget. Let's see what you can do. He makes The Fog, which... You know, doesn't blow the box office, but it's a return on investment. Mm-hmm. For what they spent, it makes money, and it's a good film. Like, I like The Fog.
1: I love The Fog.
0: And then they're like, alright, so maybe you can't blow us out of the water every movie, but you're a safe investment. So here's three times the combined budgets of your last three movies to make Escape from New York. Yeah. This movie cost $6 million to make, That's triple anything he combined, anything he's ever worked with before. And it is like the prototypical John Carpenter movie, right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can see see the shooting styles. It's like, this feels very John Carpenter. But I don't know. This is my first time watching it, just like Assault on Precinct 13. We're going to have a lot of movies in this month that I haven't seen. Which is Um, weird. Yeah, I mean, I love John Carpenter, but it's just, it hasn't been a thing where, you know, if I love a certain director, I go through all their filmography. I usually stick with, like, my favorites. Which
0: is weird, I guess, to me, because I I understand it. You usually stick to, like, oh, I found this movie that I really liked, but I'm not going to pour through the whole filmography. But I always thought you, like, everyone's seen, like, at least... Five, like the five canonical great Carpenter movies Halloween, The Thing, uh, Escape from New York, They Live
1: The Fog, Christine the, Yeah,
0: The Fog, Christine Like even even like Christine Which even John Carpenter says he only did it for the money Is a pretty good movie
1: Yeah, that's a great movie
0: And I, it's, it's that's just weird Because I think that's a big reason Going through John Carpenter is so important Because mm-hmm. he just became known as the Halloween guy yeah. And that was a blessing and a curse because it meant he could get movies made because, well, he made Halloween and that was super successful. So he can make more movies, but it was a curse because no other film he made was like Halloween.
1: No, and we talked about that when we were doing our, like, Batman month and how Robert Pattinson was like, you know, ooh, I made this set of movies and people are only going to see me as this one character for the rest of my life. And then he comes out in Batman and like, oh, wow, he really is a great actor. He can do anything. It, that was, I,
0: Batman didn't do that. The Lighthouse did that.
1: Well, The Lighthouse too, but also Batman.
0: No, but, The Lighthouse did that. You can say whatever you want. It. The Lighthouse is Robert Pattinson's greatest performance.
1: Anyway, to, tie, to yeah. run back to Carpenter, you know, he may feel like, yeah, I'm the Halloween guy, but there's a whole list of amazing movies that he's done that are so iconic, so memorable, so it's like, yeah, there may be the one that really launched him, but he's got a strong filmography behind him. And everyone that, you know, thinks of John Carpenter, it's never just Halloween. It's always, it varies.
0: Well, that's the well, that's the thing. It varies when you get into, like, film people. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of, like, mainstream movie people now, it's just Halloween. Back in the video store days... Like, you would get a wide variety. Yeah. Because I knew people who were like, Big Trouble in Little China was like their favorite movie. Even though that movie bombed. like That's was a one disastrous of your favorites. Bomb. I love Big Trouble in Little China. Or like, They Live, which was mm-hmm. a really small movie, but it played on cable for like a decade.
1: Yeah. It's still on cable. There's times where I'll click on and I'm in the middle of the movie and I'm just like, okay, cool. It's still making the rounds. All right.
0: But that's the thing, that's why I feel it's so important to go through John Carpenter's, like, real filmography, because, yeah, Halloween's his most popular movie, but I don't even think it's his best movie, which is impressive. I think it's, like, one of, it's probably in the top three of his, like, greatest works.
1: Well, I mean, I know for you it's probably The Thing.
0: Yeah, I think The Thing is his best, most well-made movie. It's, like, the best, like, filmmaker John Carpenter's ever been. That's, like, the peak of his powers. And, like, Halloween is, like, the gr- down and gritty, like, proof of concept. Like, this is, like, him defining the genre. It's the most iconic. It's the most influential. Like, mm-hmm. let's, we can just be honest here. If he's ever, like, anointed into any Hall of Fame, it's for Halloween. And, like, the other one, you know, I really like Big Trouble Little China. That movie's just, it is the greatest movie you've ever seen while you're watching it.
1: I know Park Chop, I know.
0: Wow, Pork Chop Express. But, I mean,
1: you, you haven't done that in a while.
0: <laughs> Look, it's old Jack Burton here talking about Escape from New York because this is this one we got we got to get back to Escape from New York because yeah,
1: because this is a big film for Kurt Russell too because he was really trying to break out of that Disney image that he had hanging over his head.
0: Yeah. Because he
1: was in a lot of Disney movies and programs. and TV.
0: He was he was like an OG mousketeer, I think.
1: Yeah, which isn't a bad thing, but when you want to branch out into, you know, film and cinema, it's like you got to find, you know, somewhere to do it. And I think this was kind of the best way for him to do it because yeah. he's a total badass in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. And we got to talk about Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken, because y- you're right. Kurt Russell was going to be shoehorned in as the guy in softball family comedies for his career mm. because he did Disney for like a 15 years, like a yeah. decade. The same year that Escape from New York comes out, he voices the Fox in Fox and the Hound. Was that him? That's Kurt Russell. Wow. That is, It's the same year as Escape from New York.
1: Wow. I love the Fox and the Hound. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Because... It's not like, oh, Kurt Russell, he was able to, like, use the 70s to break out into, like, the hard and gritty, Mm -hmm. you know, film genre. He was still doing Disney movies at that point. Yeah. So he's, like, he breaks into doing other roles. He does Elvis with Carpenter, Mm -hmm. like, I think the year before. It's between, like, Halloween and The Fog, I think is what it is. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, John Carpenter, you're really good. You directed me to get primetime Emmy for performing Elvis so the next movie you do can you give me a call and John Carpenter was like yeah sure he really wanted Kurt Russell but no one else wanted Kurt Russell
1: no the the studio wanted uh
0: Charles Bronson there you
1: go and uh John Carpenter was like no you know I know you're paying me and you want me to do this but you know I really want Kurt Russell to do it
0: well the other thing is you got to think about Charles Bronson
1: he was a lot older at the time
0: God, he had have been. This comes out in eighty one. He had already done the like the Death Wish series. I'm like, what Death Wish four?
1: I think somewhere in there, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he had he did the Magnificent Seven. He was in the Great Escape with Donald Pleasance mm-hmm. in the what the fucking sixties? Sixties. So he's he's as old, if not older, than Donald Pleasance, right?
1: Yeah, you and, need you know a younger guy to be this basically immortal action hero that can you know withstand anything.
0: Well, the the other thing is, it's pretty obvious watching Escape from New York that Snake Plissken is a parody of the Charles Bronson type. Yeah. Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, the the old school, I guess, the old school badasses of like the 60s and 70s. Yeah, where where, you don't
1: say much, you just look cool.
0: Yeah, you just look cool and you kind of grit your teeth.
1: This and is the, they just, you know,
0: have an t- attitude about you.
1: This is before the "Get Off My Lawn"
0: days. E- exactly. This was this was around the time of "Make My Day." That mm-hmm. that we're still there. Wah,
1: wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah.
0: Have you watched "Good, and the Bad, and the Ugly" yet?
1: Anyway, Escape from New York. Have you not
0: watched Good and the Bad and the Ugly? It's
1: on the list. I've got a lot of things that I watch. Uh, like currently, you... we're both rewatching the Alone franchise. Uh,
0: yes, yes, we are. But man, I gave you Good and the Bad and the Ugly like three months ago. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. It,
1: it's on the stack of DVDs I gotta watch.
0: So there, but that's the thing. Snake Pliskin <laughs> Snake Plissken is a parody of all these badass action tropes that. When you look at it like plain, plainly is, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. When they ask, you know, you got to save the president snake. And his response is president of what? And it's like, oh my God, (laughs) gag me with a spoon. If it was literally anyone other than Kurt Russell, because that's the power of Kurt Russell is one. He's charming. And two, you can tell he's in on the joke. Yeah, he's in on the joke and he's not winking at the camera. But he's playing it stone-cold serious, mm-hmm. and that's, like, the reason you buy into it. And it really... God damn it. I just realized to talk, talk about, like, how good Kurt Russell is in this movie. Well, he's the go best for it, part. because
1: I know you love Kurt Russell.
0: It is my opinion that, on paper, he is the perfect movie star, and it surprises me that he never got bigger than he was. Like
1: Bigger in a sense of awards or status? Status.
0: Status. Well, well, hear hear me out. Hear me out. So on paper, Kurt Russell is an acting since he's a kid. Mm-hmm. He is. There's no instance where he gives like a half-ass performance. There's no instance where he's difficult on set. For all accounts, he's a really generous, cool guy who go who shows up and does the work. Mm-hmm. He does. He for Snake Plissken, he does a whole character study. He does. He does a lot of performance stuff. He really studies who Snake Plissken is. He's the reason Snake Plissken has a fucking eye patch, the iconic eye patch.
1: Yeah, that was his idea.
0: He comes with a whole backstory for him, but he's not pushing it on John Carpenter. He just says, "Hey, I did this. Is this cool? Oh, it is awesome." And then he just shows up and does the work. Yeah, he's can do comedy. He like really well. We see him doing Big Drum Little China. Mm-hmm. He can do action. He can do drama, and. He does this run with Carpenter that shows, okay, I'm not just a family squeaky clean Disney star, I can be a real actor. Yeah. He does supporting roles, he does like Tango and Cash with Stallone, he does like, and then he gets kind of bogged into these 90s action movies that aren't great, but he's good in them.
1: Yeah, they're entertaining.
0: Yeah, they're, that's the thing, they're entertaining, but you know, they're not, I'm surprised he just wasn't the Tom Cruise of like the 80s, basically. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, I don't think he could do the Tom Cruise run. Ah, he doesn't do a lot of running
0: in Escape from New York. It's, and, and, it's a lot of limping around, you know?
1: You know, fighting with baseball bats and trash can lids.
0: <laughs> I love that scene. I love the gladiator ma- match where it's it's a fucking wrestling ring in, in what... What is it even supposed to be? Is it, it, like, a subway?
1: It's an abandoned train station, I think, in, like, St. Louis. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, since it's Manhattan that's basically turned into this prison ground, it would just be, like, a a train station in Manhattan that's just been kind of commandeered by the Duke.
0: The Duke, played by Sir Isaac Hayes. I know he's not a (laughs) sir, but but he's a knight to me. (laughs) Because, you gotta talk about that, right? Yeah. Because this cast is kind of great.
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of big actors in this cast. Yeah,
0: because... Like, you have Kurt Russell, who's playing Snake Plissken, you mm-hmm. have Lee Van Cleef playing Hawk, and Lee Van Cleef, the best of the bad guys, he's mm-hmm. in he's in Good and the Bad and the Ugly, he's in a, a Few Dollars More, he plays, like, the best villains throughout the whole 60s. Mm-hmm. He's There's also Ernest Borgnine on here, who
1: mm-hmm.
0: I feel has looked 60 for the last 60 years.
1: Yeah, but still a great actor. He's G- the comedic relief that we need in the movie. Yeah. And he also reminds me of I can't think of his name is that uh, Ernest Borgnine in is he in Scrooged?
0: I th- uh No, that's somebody else. Yeah, no, you're thinking of Bill Murray's brother, I think.
1: Who, no no not the brother, one of the homeless guys. Oh that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. keeps calling um what's his name, Dick.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And Bill then he Murray freezes
1: Dick. he freezes to death, but he's got that kind of like sweet charm to him. Well that's the thing. Ernest
0: Borgnine I think is incapable of frowning. No, I think he's incapable of frowning. He always has a smile on, no matter what role he's in.
1: And even in this, you know, desolate, scary place, he's always smiling and listening to his music. Yeah.
0: And it, that's a, that's another awesome thing about Cabbie, Ernest Borgnine in particular, mm-hmm. is I'm pretty sure Cabby's a, a Nick Castle creation probably because john carpenter writes this in 70 something like 76 he writes it with assault on precinct 13
1: yeah
0: and no one wants to make it so because it's so bleak it's so sad because john carpenter it really likes hammering in humanity sucks and then he, yeah. He, yeah yeah and he has his buddy nick castle says hey can you come in and just punch up the script a little bit and make it a little bit funnier
1: mm-hmm.
0: and because I think John Carpenter knows he's making a satire, but he doesn't have the same sensibilities to write like a comedy character. Mm-hmm. So Nick Castle comes in, writes Cabbie. He does a lot of the punch up that makes this movie a little bit more r- ridiculous. Like, uh, oh God, what's the what's the character's name? Oh, it's it's uh, Frank Doubleday who plays Romero that looks like the a mixture of a Wombat and, and your average punk fan of the 1970s. Well,
1: I'll go Wombat and Evil Ed from Fright Night. Yes, That's yes. why I was looking at him and I'm like, that's not Evil Ed, is it? And I had to listen to his voice. And I'm like, no, that's not evil, but...
0: Well, that's the white warlord from Assault and Precinct 13. <laughs> yeah. He's Fright, yeah. That's another thing. John Carpenter will continue to drag his, his regulars through all of his
1: movies. Oh, yeah, and that's what I had said, I think, in last week's episode, that... You know, you make, uh, short films and you and your friends, you guys always get back together. You're able to call different people in to help and, you know, come in from their, you know, own specialties that they do. And it's like, yeah, why not have, you know, John Carpenter pull, you know, people from previous films small films he's made in the past, it works. You you start to recognize more of these actors and more of his movies as they go on. And it's like, oh, cool. He was in Season of the Witch. And oh, he was in The Fog. And now he's in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, to tie more of our personal lives into this, last year we got to meet Nick Castle at a, a signing at the, oh, yeah. the Michael Myers house. And a big struggle for you before that signing was you couldn't decide if you wanted to get something Halloween signed by him or if you wanted to get the script to uh, Escape from New York, signed by him. Oh,
0: yeah. Because that's another thing. Nick Castle has a a weird career. Yeah. Because he's the shape in Halloween. Mm-hmm. And he gets the job, I think, because he's, like, John Carpenter's neighbor and just bugs him and says, Hey, can I can I help with the movie? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And just gives him the role as Michael, as the Michael shape. Ma- as mm-hmm. the shape. Yeah. And then after that, he shows up as, like, oh, he writes the screen. Mm-hmm. He helps write the screenplay for Escape from New York. And he starts, and then he starts directing. And he directs Major Pain. Mm-hmm. And he does, I think he does sound work on one of the John Carpenter movies. And he does, like, all this stuff. He, I think he does stunt work for some movies down the road, too. And it's really weird. Because I'm like, bro, you are, like... Like, in every man of cinema, you've done a bunch of stuff. It's like him and Tommy Lee Wallace, where yeah. they were with John Carpenter long enough to have done almost everything in every movie.
1: Yeah, these men are really well-grounded in their career, because they have their hand in just about everything. And it's not, they're stuck to just one thing that they specialize in. It's like, you know what, I've, I haven't tried this before. Let me try Soundworker. Let me try directing, screenwriting. And I think it's great, because it's they're basically a a jack of their trade mm-hmm. and it's just it's cool to be like oh yeah i wrote the screenplay to that or i directed this too oh yeah you know i've acted and it was just funny to see you kind of struggle you know well what do i have them sign what do i do yeah. and you even told him that and he was like like oh yeah escape from new york that is you know one of my favorites <laughs> That movies
0: this movie is awesome but one one more character we got to talk about before we get into the, i guess the movie proper is Donald Pleasance, who plays the president. Yes. Who, I don't know if we changed the Constitution since, you know, ni- into 1997, but and it, he is not even trying to hide his English accent.
1: Well, I think I read somewhere uh, John Carpenter said that Donald Pleasance was struggling keeping the American accent. Mm-hmm. So after a while, he was just like, I'm just, just going to let him do what he needs to do. So you hear him slip in and out between a British accent and an American accent. And it's like it's just Donald Pleasance as a president I'm like i I'm, I'm okay with this like yeah,
0: it's I'm not saying it's like oh that's a bad casting or that's a miscasting it's just it's a weird casting
1: it's a weird casting, but I was like, please let him break out into a trench coat and go running come on
0: <laughs> you just you just love Halloween
1: I do you just so much,
0: Halloween. but this is this is Donald Pleasance, and I think this is one of. One of the movies where he does with Carpenter after Halloween where you want him to to have another breakout role mm-hmm. like like in um like in Halloween. Because man, this guy's a great actor. He's a classical actor. He's been in the great escape. He's been working for decades and decades. Like, is this gonna be another one of those like iconic performances? And it's like, fuck Dr. Loomis Loom's Large. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, but yeah, so.
1: I'm surprised you don't want to even talk about Brain.
0: Oh, played by Harry Dean Stanton, mm-hmm. who has looked, again, like Ernest Borglein, has looked ancient since he was a young man.
1: I mean, recently, uh, apart from this movie, the most recent film we saw him in was uh, Firewalk With Me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, we saw him in the re- uh, Twin Peaks The Return.
1: And the return, yeah. But I'm I'm saying like you know stuff that we've watched. Unless oh yeah. You watch, unless you watched the return recently.
0: Oh no, nah, no. Nah. But we watched um, Fire Walk with Me like a god, oh, like two months ago something like
1: that. A month or so at the Frida. and it's just like, yeah, he's another one that he's looked older forever. And that's why I was kind of shocked to see him. I was like, oh, and I'm like, oh no, you still kind of look.
0: You're like, are you like forty right now, or are you, you like sixty? Are you? Are you just a, a good-looking, like, 60-year-old or a rough-looking 30-year-old?
1: I wasn't sure, but I'm like, he's a damn good actor.
0: Very, oh, great actor. He, he's been in a bunch of, like, great films. I know he's in Paris, Texas. Um, He did Fire Walk Me. He was in Aliens, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah, no, gr- fantastic actor. And that's the thing. John Carpenter, he's he's casting just solid actors. Like
1: He even has Adrian Barbeau, who was in The Fog. Well, Adrian Barbeau was his wife. And it was just like, wow, yes. But, but you know what I was most excited about, apart from seeing Adrian Barbeau, uh, right at the beginning of the movie, where we're getting all the credits, mm-hmm. a Deborah uh, Hill film. Well, I yeah, like, yes, I... love Deborah Hill, yeah. and I didn't know because I know that her and John Carpenter worked together, and I was like,
0: the fucking a decade.
1: Yeah, so it's it's nice to see it, you know show up that deborah hill was partners in this too and i was just
0: yeah that's that's <laughs> the thing john carpenter works with the same people a lot and i think that's because one john carpenter has admitted he doesn't he doesn't like people same and he's like well i know these people can do the work i'm here to get a job done I'm here to make i'm here to make a goddamn movie and we're gonna make a goddamn movie yeah
1: and i think that's nice that you know you you know Again, you do the same things, too, where it's the same set of people you work with. And it kind of, you know, turns, like, into a family thing where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to hire this, this, and this person back in. And his movies are always bangers.
0: Yeah. And now, I think we can finally talk about Escape from New York.
1: Well, why don't you tell people the plot of this film? Uh,
0: it's a it's a little bare bones. I ain't going to lie to you all. <laughs> so, it is in the far-off future of 1997. Whew! The U.S. president crashes into the prison island that is Manhattan as it has been cut off from the rest of the world and has been turned into a prison to house the worst criminals of the United States because crime has ramped up 400%. It is a hellscape and they just drop all the criminals in the maximum security, New York. But the president crashes his plane there and there's only one man Badass enough to go in and save him, and that is Snake Pliskin. And he gets sent in with the caveat that if he doesn't get the president out in 24 hours, his head will explode as they implant a bomb into his neck. Like they're like pill bombs, right? They inject into his neck and say it's yeah. gonna blow up.
1: Yeah, I was just like, what?
0: Yes, it, it's that kind of movie. And he travels through the dilapidated and destroyed world of. New York City, interacting with the gangs and crazed inhabitants left roaming the streets, only to find the president and save his life. And that's that's yeah, it is it is a classic genre action movie, and
1: <sighs> which is deceptive of its poster because we never see the Statue of Liberty's head in the street anywhere. Which we I never was really looking for. see
0: New York. Let's no, be real we, we just see the
1: the streets. You know, we don't really get too much of backgrounds, which makes sense. You know, you're trying to confine it. This was also one of those films where they had a uh, really bad with like the names of lenses, mm. but they had like one of those night lenses where it really picks up the light.
0: Yeah, this is one of those early films um, where you see they're not faking day for night; yeah. they're they're actually shooting at night with like a really open lens. And the the other thing is they are actually shooting in, for the most part, real locations. Because yeah. they, they obviously can't shoot in New York City. There's no way a $6 million movie is closing down downtown Manhattan to shoot.
1: No, a lot of this was done, like, in St. Louis. Uh, I think one of the locations I saw was Arizona or yeah. somewhere in the desert.
0: I think they did that for the matte paintings and things mm-hmm. like that and some effect shots. But they shoot in St. Louis because there was a fire a couple of years before that just ravaged like six city blocks in St. Louis. And they were getting ready to demolish it. John Carpenter's like, hey, I got a movie that it's going to take about 20-ish, 25 days to shoot. Can I shoot there? And they're like, yeah, sure. That sounds totally fine. I think they gave, I think they, I don't even know if they charged him that much to just shoot and just run wild in downtown St. Louis.
1: Probably not. I mean, if it's going to be torn down a couple grand, maybe, you know, just we're just going to be posted up here for a while. Just, you know, pretend like we're not here. And I think that worked because it really made the film feel real in that sense, Mm -hmm. that they're not just running through sets. They're actually running through buildings, dilapidated buildings and, you know, stuff that just looks dangerous.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, there's... um. I think it's the it's the gladiator match. No, no, it's when he's it's when Snake Pliskin is in the restaurant or whatever, and he's hiding away from the from the sewer people. Yeah, and the girl he's in there with, and she's talking to, and she just falls through the fucking floor. Yeah, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I don't know if that floor is how gimmicked that floor is, because she is she's really getting whacked in the face by some of those boards as she's going down. She
1: takes a good fall. And I mean, again, you know, Carpenter, you can see that this was one of his inspirations. I was like, this is totally night of the living dead where it's just, it's shadows and they're just coming out of everywhere towards stake. And it's like, Oh, this is terrifying.
0: And it's also a callback to his escape. um, Escape from New York has a lot of callbacks to assault on precinct Mm -hmm. 13. I think you can see the DNA of Napoleon, Wilson yeah. from assault and you can Your see boy? him yeah my boy and you can definitely see him in Snake Plissken. You can see the 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 sewer people who are like sieging and attacking the restaurant. You just can see like the, the gangs. Just like the gangs, you can you can really see a lot of DNA from those movie from that movie in Escape from New York. But I think where it differs is that the action in Assault on Precinct 13 was really tight and gripping. And the Escape from New York it's a little, um, slow?
1: Yeah, it kind of takes a while to see some real action. I mean, the movie moves at a good pace.
0: Yeah, it's like an hour... It's an hour hour
1: 30. It's, uh, hour 40? Hour 38. I don't know if that... Oh, deal. Hour
0: 38. We'll take it.
1: mine had commercials, so I I I think that's what maybe that was pushing it to, but, uh... Yeah, it takes us a while to kind of see some of the action. I don't think we see it until maybe around the 40-minute mark.
0: Yeah, which is weird because we get into the world super quick. We have yeah. the the opening, like, read-off, the, the exposition, right? Where it just lays the groundwork. Uh, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis yes. cameo. Yes,
1: yes. Uncredited, but I was like, wow, okay, cool. Jamie Lee Curtis is part of this movie, too.
0: She gets uncredited as, like, disembodied voice in, like, five John Carpenter movies. Yeah. It's like this. I think she does. Um, she's in a Halloween three as a disembodied voice. Yeah. I think she's a disembodied voice in, in something else that John Carpenter does. Like really soon after this. I, mm-hmm. besides the point. So, we get a lot of this exposition that's front ended in the movie, and then it's just laying out the world we're about to start going yeah. into.
1: Which I mean, it's important to understand what surroundings we're going to be in and why the world looks the way that it looks.
0: There's a lot given to building the antagonism between Hawk, who's supposed to be this military leader who's like, he's the head guard for um, New York City. Yeah. And him and Snake Plissken's animosity to each other. And they're like, ah, you know, I remember you from Leningrad. You were a bastard then, just like you are now. You know, and Snake's like takes one to no one, and that's that. You have that whole like back and forth mm-hmm. dichotomy, and that's a lot of the opening of the movie. And when Snake finally gets into New York, it's a lot of him wandering around and looking for the president, and it's really slow. You're taking in it all because it's a lot of atmosphere.
1: Yeah, and you're also feeling the weight that he has because he's got the the bracelet that's counting down the hours till his head blows up, and it's like. Oh, man, you know, we really got to find him. And, oh, we got a tracker on him. Oh, no, someone just, you know, took the president's tracker off of him. So now we're back at square one.
0: I love that when when Snake finds the president's trackers just on some homeless dude. And he's just like, well, fuck me. And he's just sitting in like a blown out building thinking. He's like, man, I'm really fucked, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Man, so this is how it ends for old Snake Pliskin. Hmm. And then, you know, the, the plot takes over. Yeah and after that you know he runs away from the the sewer people
1: mm-hmm. which
0: i love they have fucking morlocks in in the new york city in the apocalypse
1: i mean you love morlocks just because they're morlocks
0: okay i'm going to i'm going to call you out right now where is morlocks from
1: the time machine
0: damn it you're good <laughs> damn it on <All> the lowest <laughs> of keys i thought i thought i thought you were just saying i thought you were just rolling with it but yeah nope ah. not this time that's my girl So, after this, he runs away from the Morlocks, and he meets up with people who are a little more in the know. Mm -hmm. I think Cabby, he meets up with Cabby, and Cabby's like, Oh, if you can get the president and get us out and get him out of here, can you take me with you? I know a guy who might be able to find you. And he takes him to Brain, who's Harry Dean Stanton, and his...
1: I think it's his wife or girlfriend? Sex slave?
0: They say that she's a gift from the Duke.
1: Oh, maybe I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, Because I I just thought, I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) they're all in prison here, so why not, you know, yeah, we're married, but not, you know, really. (laughs) I I miss that, so, oh, okay.
0: I mean, yeah, they're like, obviously they're like affectionate to each other. They act like a married couple. Yeah. But I think the plot is like, oh, she was a gift from the Duke. And I'm like, is this like a harem situation? I'm like, okay, but yeah, so we meet Brain, who's, the Brain's the operation. He knows how to make gasoline and kind of keep the... He can keep the lights on. Yeah. And Brain's like, Snake, you know, I can lead you to the president, but that means you get to get me out of here too, right? Like, I know that, that plane you brought us in, you came in on was only a one seater for the most part, but you can fit like five people you on that. You mean that, that paper plane? I love that paper plane. It, it looks fucking ridiculous, but I love it. Cause,
1: uh, it
0: that looks like, that looks like the, the point where it's like, it's a cheap movie that's trying to look expensive, yeah. but it can't really hide that it's still a, a kind of a cheap movie. Well,
1: I mean, that was what I was talking about uh, before we started recording. I was talking about some of the Foley work that was done in this when we were watching like some of the like hand-to-hand like fight scenes mm-hmm. and you could hear like the poof, 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 and it's just, like it didn't the sound didn't match the actions that were happening. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like Okay, are they choosing to do it this way, or are they just cutting corners, like I'm, a plane?
0: I'm of the opinion they're choosing to do it this way, because I'm of the belief Escape from New York, at its core, is a satire of 70s action movies and 70s action heroes. Snake Plissken is very obviously a parody of, maybe not a parody, but he's definitely kind of a... A combination of tropes from like the Dirty Harry or the Death Wishes or the, um, you can even say like the old action heroes, like, mm-hmm. like even a little bit of C McQueen's in there a little bit of just, just all these different action heroes from the previous generation that everyone was like, Oh, that guy's cool. Well, why is he cool? Cause he's cool. And that, and that's Snake Plissken.
1: Would you say that he's probably the basis? Cause this is 81, right?
0: Yeah, this comes out in 1981.
1: Would he be the basis of a lot of, like, the action games that we get?
0: Oh, 100,000%. Because
1: it's like, you know, action here, okay, L- let's go, life one, And just, you know, he's out there punching and fighting and shooting.
0: He's, he's literally the direct inspiration, Hideo Kojima credits for Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid games. Which, by the way, Hideo Kojima, if you're out there, Metal Gear Solid is awesome, And we could definitely talk about John Carpenter movies at length because I love the Metal Gear Solid games. They're great. But you can also see, you can really see Snake Plissken's DNA in a lot of first-person shooters. A little bit of Duke Nukem. He's mostly taken off of Rowdy Roddy Piper Mm -hmm. and Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead and They Live, respectively. But there's a little bit of Snake Plissken in there. You can see Snake Plissken in a lot of Robert Rodriguez's film work. I think Robert Rodriguez says he just keeps trying to make Escape from New York over and over again with, you know, varying results. But a lot of, honestly, a lot of video games are just John Carpenter movies. They're really simple bare-bones premises with badass cool guy characters going through weird genre set pieces.
1: All right. I mean, We do like video games. And, I mean, <laughs> he is kind of like the ultimate video game character. Of the 80s. Because that's what this movie feels like. You're going through a video game.
0: Yeah. Really cool set pieces. Really cool world. You have a mission and a quest. And it's like, oh, he's just exploring. I would love to see if... I would love this if there was, like, an eight-hour cut. Where it's just Snake Plissken wandering around uh, this dilapidated New York City.
1: Yeah, I could see that being something that you'd sit there for eight (laughs) hours watching.
0: Yes, it would only be for me. And it would probably ruin the movie. But I would enjoy it.
1: I think it would be for you and for Robert Rodriguez.
0: Uh, yes, me and Robert Rodriguez would definitely chill over over a eight hour cut of Escape from New York, but
1: not surprised.
0: But but back back to the movie at hand. So he meets Brain, and they were like, "Okay, we can take you to to who holds the president, and that is the Duke of New York, a number one baby,
1: a number one."
0: And it's Isaac Hayes who is playing this sadistic asshole who is who you. Totally understand why people are following him, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, he has chandeliers on his car.
0: He has chandeliers on his fucking caddy.
1: Not in the caddy. On the caddy.
0: Dual chandeliers. One off over each head leg. Mm-hmm. And he is the most charismatic, like, magnetic person you see that's not Kurt Russell.
1: Also equally wearing as cool a costume as Kurt Russell.
0: Oh, yeah. And when you finally meet the Duke and you realize that he's just been, he's not even like torturing, the, he's just fucking with the president. He's yeah. just fucking with Donald Pleasance. I don't think he really has any, any real plans other than it's like, you're going to release all of us out of Manhattan or the president fucking dies. Pretty much. And th- I love it because all like Hawk and all the, mil- all, all the rest of the people are like, yeah, we can just get a new president. Yeah, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, but he has the fucking MacGuffin, Like, tape,
1: the tape, the yeah. tape.
0: Yes, the the pure MacGuffin. So we got to get him back. So we send Snake Pliskin in, and the movie kind of just goes into pretty easy action beats from there. Snake rescues the president. Duke gets him back. Duke puts Snake into a
1: a gladiator a, match. A
0: gladiator match with um with Ox. Uh, A fucking pro wrestler from the 60s and 70s. And he gets... And then, you know, Snake managed to escape, signals him, and then they get on this car chase on...
1: On the bridge.
0: But, yeah, but it's like, it's it's supposed to be like the Brooklyn Bridge, or... Uh,
1: Well, it's Manhattan, so I think they say like... uh... I was going to say the 6th Street, but that's here in L.A. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a I, famous I, bridge in Manhattan. We're, we're I, from L.A., we're yeah, not from New York.
0: I, no, I just bring it up because I think even in the movie, when they mention the bridge, people from New York are like, that bridge doesn't fucking exist. Well, there you go, just, so we
1: don't have to, you know, yeah,
0: I think try to figure a, it out. I think it's a thing John Carpenter was also like, I don't think I've ever been to New York. Hey, eh, I'll just make it up. No one's going to fucking care. There's
1: bridges there. Yeah, it's a bridge. but you, you know, they have that cool one that we see in Once Upon a Time in America
0: yeah that cool bridge
1: yeah the cool one
0: yeah so they go across the bridge and it's blowing up because there's landmines and shit everywhere and through this like trial like trail we have the cabby dies then brain dies
1: okay okay then we have the cabby dies but <laughs> but we have the cab perfectly splitting in half which was hilarious.
0: Yes, it's a straight-up cartoon.
1: Yeah, you know, you see that the cab's split, and you're waiting for uh, Snake to realize that it's split, and then you see the president, Brain, and uh, Maggie perfectly sitting in the back end of the cab and get out, and it's just the most ridiculous looking thing. They almost look like they're in a rickshaw. Yeah! And they just kind of like got dropped there. I was just like... What is going on in this movie now?
0: And and that's why I keeps I keep saying it's a satire, it's a parody, it's it's like Scream, yeah, where it knows it's making fun of the genre, but it's taking itself seriously,
1: yeah.
0: And that is like that's the nail in the coffin. It's like you gotta see this, right? Yeah. So the then we have so the cabbie dies, yeah. Then Brain dies because he misreads the map and blows himself up. Then Maggie dies standing her ground as the Dukes chasing him down, and she just gets plowed into by the caddy
1: i mean if you think it's bad seeing brain get thrown into the air from the landmine seeing the the remnants of her after she gets hit by the the caddy is just horrific but i was like like good on you maddie you you got up and you're like i'm gonna fire into that caddy because you you hurt my man (laughs) Uh,
0: another another candidate for john carpenter's bad bitches catalog yes now
1: badass females badass women of cinema thank you no bad you know no yeah. bitches, no.
0: Gotcha. So, but some, a fun fact about that shot where you see Maggie a- aging of barbo lying on the ground, she's covered in blood right after the car hits, is that's a reshoot done in John Carpenter's garage. Huh. Because he did a screening of this, like, for test audiences, mm-hmm. and some, it was like a 16-year-old kid was like, hey, did, did Maggie die? She gets hit by the car, but we don't see her dead. Like, is she... Hurt mm-hmm. is she gone because isaac hayes just kind of looks over at her and then runs off so does that mean oh she's still moving around like what what's up with yeah. that and john Carpenter's like you know kid you're right you know th- thanks for the note that kid grows up to be jj J. abrams really i'm not even fucking with you that's actually a true story
1: wow okay
0: jj J. J. J abrams is cr- actually is the reason we see maggie's dead in escape from new york
1: wow okay that's pretty cool i didn't know that
0: well, he's like the fucking Forrest Gump of cinema. I think when he's like 20 something, Steven Spielberg personally picks him to remaster his old 8mm movies. Hmm. That's not that's not even a fucking joke. Wow. So, but whatever. So, they keep going and then it's down to Snake Plissken and the President and they're going and he sends the president up and over the walls of Manhattan as the Dukes closing in on him. And then Snake's like all right, I'm gonna attacks the Duke, and they get into this fist fight, and it's fucking badass. And then Snake's like going up, and he's gonna almost gonna be free. And then he gets stopped, and the Duke's like, "Oh no, nah, Snake, you about to get your shit pushed in." And then the President comes in to save the day, being as showing he is as sadistic as the prisoners. Yeah. As he just guns down the Duke, full bore, just going full madman. Yelling, you're the Duke, you're a number one, motherfucker.
1: Mm. <sighs> yeah.
0: Is is that Donald Pleasant's spriking?
1: Either that or with the wig.
0: <laughs> I the the fucking um the Edgar, blonde wig. the Edgar Winter wig.
1: Yeah. Which was his idea. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> he told John Carpenter he was like, Hey, you mind if I throw a wig on while I'm just sitting here, you know, chained up to this chair? Sure, why not? And I was like, "You, good on you, Donald Pleasance."
0: I, here's the thing. Donald Pleasance, like, this is him just being a great actor because he's pulling from his own experiences as a POW in World War II. Yeah. Which also, was another point, fucking Donald Pleasance, I didn't know he was a World War II vet. It really weirds me out finding out how old he is. Not as much as Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine was, is old enough to be in the Navy before World War II, get out and then re-enlist.
1: Yeah. And like, I think he died.
0: It was like it was like three or four years ago.
1: Yeah, it was like not super recent, but to, recent enough that it was okay. just like wow. Like to, you
0: to put this in perspective for anyone out there, he starts his career in the like the forties and he and he's the voice of mermaid man in SpongeBob SquarePants. Like those are bookends of his career. I think I, I got you. We'll, we'll bring up we'll bring up Ernest Borgnine's IMDb so you can t- know.
1: Yeah, I, I can't you know figure out your mouse. It's just all over the place.
0: Yeah. So he dies in he's born in 1917 and dies in 2012 at 95 years old, and Jeez. he is working all the way to the end. He yeah, he, up in
1: SpongeBob that was like his, well that and the man who shook the hand of Vincent of uh, Vincente Fernandez.
0: Yeah, like that's his last movie, but he does. He's Mermaid Man and for all the SpongeBob oh. stuff and it's it's crazy cuz he's in like red. He's in nightclub. He's a working actor oh, yeah. for decades and decades. He's in Marty. I think Marty wins an Oscar. He's in Poseidon Adventure. You know, but yeah, so Ernest Borgnine, you know it, again, astounds me how old this fucking guy was.
1: But I mean, amazing individual. Oh Just, yeah. You know, a vet that- Two times over. This actor (laughs) that acted up until the very end of his life. Yeah. And it's just, you know, strong stock. Oh, yeah.
0: So, the movie... Back to Escape from New York. (laughs) Escape from New York finally ends with Snake managing to get up and over the wall. He goes over to the scientist. The scientist deactivates the...
1: The the pill bomb. The pill
0: bomb with three seconds left on the clock. And then Snake Pliskin, you know, walks off. And the president's like, well, those people that sacrificed their lives. Well, no,
1: no, no. He walks and he asks the president to speak, you know, can I speak to you for a few minutes? And he's like, you know, do you feel bad for the people that lost their lives to get you here? And he's like, well, of course. But, you know, all the the fellow Americans will appreciate their sacrifices. And I was just like.
0: The most politician, mm -hmm. BS, insincere answer to that question.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then I think that's the moment where Snake's like yeah yeah fuck humanity Mm -hmm. and and the president puts in the tape to like show the the un that's gonna be i guess it's gonna like resolve a bunch of issues or like cake everybody off the brink of war or whatever and it's just the cabbies like mixtape yeah and then we see snake destroying the president's tape as he walks off into the into the night
1: i think that was my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, where, yeah? they're, where they're putting the tape in and snakes walking and then you hear the music from i think it was like the 40s yeah and it was just like that smile and then pulls out the tape it just destroys it throws it on the ground and credits i'm like okay that's a badass scene
0: yeah and that's and that's the thing snake plissken is the reason escape from new york has survived and is so beloved because he's such a he's such a badass and kurt russell knows he's he's supposed to be a badass but he's not like winking at the camera being like hey guys look how badass i am he's he's pretty sincere about it yeah and i and i fucking love this movie this movie's great but that's that's like the basic bits of escape from new york so what are are your actual thoughts on escape from new york
1: i liked it more than i expected i i wasn't sure if this is gonna be my thing because i was like oh it's probably one of dean's you know action movies that he likes And I was like, no, I'm like, you know, there's some meat on the bone here. Uh, I think I still prefer Assault on Precinct 13 more, Mm because it feels more real, and this feels more video game, which, I love video games, but it's just like, I like reality a bit more.
0: Is it the thing where this is too too, um, genre for you?
1: Maybe, just... It just feels like we're, like, being dropped into, like, a video game. And I was kind of waiting for it to feel like... A movie. A movie, like a full, you know, action movie. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I can see where we're kind of drifting into both of those. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I thought it was good overall. I mean, I... I
0: kind of get where you're coming from with the video game thing. I think that's mostly just watching the movie now is we see its influence on all the media around us. Yeah. Because the movie is super influential to mm-hmm. so like, yeah, video games in specific, and also like films, and Snake Pliskin's become kind of the, a very parodied character or in a very copied character for people who, I guess, don't realize he's supposed to be kind of a satire or mm-hmm. kind of a parody, and that's, kind of the, issue I have with the movie, because I really like the movie, I think it's good. Uh, I think it is better than Assault on Precinct 13, mostly because I think this is way more John Carpenter than Assault is. Assault's him trying to be Howard Hawks. Mm-hmm. The Halloween's him trying to be Bob Clark. Well, he's trying to be Black Christmas. The Fog's him trying to be, like, a Universal Monsters director. Like, I think here he kind of finds himself. He kind of figures out, okay, this is who I am as a director, and I see a lot of John Carpenter's work really spew out of this. Mm -hmm. I I like it. I think it's a really well-made film for what they were able to do with the $6 budget. Yeah. I think it's impressive because, you know, yeah, this is the first time they gave Carpenter real money, but it's still, they didn't give him a blockbuster budget. They gave him like a, a decent budget and the movie looks really good
1: yeah it does I mean there's you know a couple kinks in there, like you know the airplane,
0: yeah, I mean the map paintings and well, a lot of the special effects look good, mm-hmm. and the map paintings look really good. the map paintings i re- i will applaud, and those are done by I think james Cameron Be there, yeah, and those look like like awesome, the miniature work the mini New York City, yeah. is fantastic,
1: and it's also in another famous movie, oh really. Yeah, it was repainted after this and used in Blade Runner. Of fucking course
0: it was. (laughs) Of fucking course it was. Because that's that's just a great thing about Escape from New York. Because it it looks really good for being like, what is this, like 40 years old now?
1: Yeah, I think so. Somewhere in there. I mean, let alone the computer monitors in this movie aren't even computer monitors. They're painted over TVs. Yeah. So
0: the or the wireframe mm-hmm. thing when it's scanning over, that's not a computer. They just painted a model black and put green tape over it. Yeah. So it's and like, it looks perfect.
1: Yeah, that's why it's like you know the imagination of John Carpenter and the people that he works with. Mm. It just works.
0: Yeah, and I th- and I think that's a big plus on Escape from New York is Carpenter is given more money than he's ever been given before. But it's still low enough to where he has to be creative John Carpenter. Yeah. He still has this kind of low-budget grindhouse sensibility that honestly is what makes his movie so great. Because he's able to do very creative things, even if his budget's really small. But, yeah. So I, I would... I'll, I know you're probably, like, one thumb up for Escape from New York. I'm I'm firmly in two.
1: Yeah, I- that that second thumb is kind of idling, but it's a good movie, good action movie. Uh, it was entertaining; It's got a good pace to it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I give it two thumbs up.
0: Yeah, I would. I too, two. Mine is two confident thumbs up.
1: Mine's one confident, one shaky.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, this is in the Carpenter canon, and I know I was talking about like the budgets and stuff like that before. Mostly because the movie we're going to watch after this, and the movie we're going to be, the movie he makes after this as well, is going to be The Thing. Yeah. And I can't wait, I love The Thing, but it's going to be the first time Carpenter has a real studio, he has Universal behind him, mm-hmm. they give him a, the biggest budget. Not only is it double Escape from New York, it's him having carte blanche. Yeah. Yeah. He finally gets- he pushes all of his chips in to cash in on all the clout he's built up from um, Halloween, from The Fog, from Escape from New York, from all of it, to make The Thing.
1: And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think The the Thing just celebrated its 40th anniversary?
0: Yes, yeah. The Thing comes out in uh, 1982.
1: Yeah, so with, it just turned 40.
0: Uh, also, I want to point out, we have John Carpenter who makes the The Fog in 1980- Escape from New York in 81, The Thing in 82, the guy just is just jamming out movies. Oh, yeah. He is almost a movie a year throughout the 1980s. I can't. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah, so stay tuned for that. I know Dean is, you know, chomping at the bit to get to The Thing.
0: I am salivating. Ooh. I fucking love that movie. It is literally my favorite horror movie. It is my favorite John Carpenter movie. I think it's his best. But I am going to go in, you know, a little reserved. Because I know you have one major issue with the thing.
1: Yeah, I'm very squeamish. And, man, the the guys that he has to create some of, like, the the creatures in this movie. Mm -hmm. It just turns my stomach. And it's just like, so I'm kind of hesitant to walk into it. But it's also an iconic film. So I'm excited to talk about it. But also to, you know, kind of wrap up this episode... This is Dean's birthday episode, because his birthday's coming up in a couple of days, so happy birthday to you. Happy early birthday.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yes.
1: I I really thought we were going to do The Thing for your birthday, because you love that movie.
0: Well, originally we were, but then I kind of wanted to... Well, because I wanted to do Escape from New York, because that's the first time Carpenter's given, like, real money. Yeah. And this is what he can do given real money. And The Thing is him what it's given when he does, like, like full auteur. When he gives full creative control. So you know it it, it worked out kind of weird, but I'm glad we did escape escape uh, from New York.
1: Yeah, I ended up having a really good time watching it. Uh, I'm I'm shaky, but I'm excited to do the thing next week.
0: Well, you've seen it
1: before. I right? have, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's not like you where you're like, oh yeah, it's my favorite John Carpenter. Like, no, I've seen it probably like once, and I'm like, I'm good.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Recently?
1: No, it was a while ago.
0: Uh, two years ago?
1: No, before we started dating.
0: Fucking! What is that? Eight years ago? Nine (sighs) years ago?
1: Maybe like ten years ago?
0: Jesus Christ! Okay, well this is gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a fun episode. We're gonna cut this episode a little bit short because tonight we are going to opening night of Halloween Horror Nights.
0: Yes, we are.
1: So if you're watching the or listening to this, you know, early in the morning, follow our stories on Instagram because we're gonna be posting stuff throughout the night at the park. It's gonna be a blast.
0: (sighs) And if they wanted to follow that, where can they
1: go? Well, if you want to follow our social media, you can find us on Instagram at the Film Club Podcast. But if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on...
0: YouTube. Yes, you can go to our YouTube channel in the... Not in the frame. Ha, that's the old one. Almost. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. You can like, comment, subscribe. We release a new video every week. Usually they're just video versions of our podcast, but... Who knows? We might upload something different eventually.
1: We might. And if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and just about every other platform that's out there.
0: And with that...
1: We'll see you next week at the Film Club.
0: Have a good week, everybody.